Welcome once again to Unprofessional. I'm Lex Friedman, joined once again by Dave Whiskis. Hi, Dave. Hi, Lex. It's great to hear your voice again. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't lie about that. I, I would, but I'm not. <laughs> you've, you've lied about so many other things. And our guest today is one of the people who I would say was kind of instrumental in our uh, launching this very podcast, Jesse Char. Hi, Jesse. Hello, Lex. You, you have a lovely radio voice. Thank you. This is something that I was not prepared for. As I was just listening to you introduce me, I started getting a little bit scared that my radio voice, I just, I didn't bring it today. I don't think I have a radio voice. Lex does this. I stay, I have the same voice in and out of radio. Lex, he, he sounds like Marge Simpson most of the time, but then you put a microphone in front of him and he sounds like this. I definitely think that my voice changes when I start recording, but I don't do it consciously. It's not like I think, well, now I'm going to switch my voice quality, but I, I do think that you're right that it happens. You kind of have that like uh, that cadence of like, this is Lex Friedman. And you're, I know, that's not what you sound like. I'm sorry. But you do like you do that cool, like the, the change in tonality. I like it very much. Hello and welcome to another episode of Unprofessional. <laughs> Let's edit in when Jesse said this is Lex Lex Friedman, just have that be my intro. <laughs> but, th- th- you know, I've heard before that people say, well, you have a, a good voice for radio, which could be an insult, too, but I don't think it's meant as one. But I think, I it's, I think any- the insult is if you have a good face for radio. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I feel like I can't take any credit for it. It's I, I didn't do any, I didn't go to any, I didn't do any vocal exercises. I didn't do any vocal training. It's the same as getting complimented for being tall. I, I, I feel like I had nothing to do with it. I'll take the compliment, but I run scales before every show. <laughs> On the guitar or vocally? Uh, both. Okay. Well, I want to make sure I'm in key. I don't want to be off key for the show. That would be a different name for the show. It's off key with Dave Whiskus. I don't think that I would want that to be the name <laughs> of my show. <laughs> but Jesse, to your point, I think you have a fine voice for this podcast. Well, thank you. You know, sometimes when it's, when it's three guys on the show, people get confused about who's talking when. But now they're not going to confuse you with me. Maybe you and Dave a little bit, but they'll figure well, it out. I don't know. I think I'm getting pretty good at doing an impression of you. So uh, <laughs> we'll let the, the listeners be the judge of that. So my rule has always been no Lex, no show. I won't do a show without him. But if you can do a pretty good Lex Friedman impression, I might just have you sit in for him the next time he's sick. We'll, right. we'll talk after the show. Skype me. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's Perfect. Cool. But now, Jesse, tell, tell our listeners who you are. Uh, my name is Jesse Char. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way you say that. I demand answers. Um, we got to know. We ha- the people want to know. Um, so my name is Jesse Char. Um, I am one of the co-founders and co-CEOs, as we like to say it, of Pacific Helm, which is a small design company in San Francisco. Um, and I-, I handle kind of all of the business and project management there. Um, and the other two who you may know, uh, Brad Ellis and Louis Mantia, are designers. Very cool. And before that, you were at... Uh... At Mule, were you not? I was at Mule. In fact, for the uh, for the uh, very beginnings of the Mule Radio Network, is that what it is now? We we went through so many name changes at the time. I can't remember what uh, it ended syndicate. up being. Syndicate. I always think it's Syndicate, right? It's Mule Radio Syndicate. Okay, okay. We went through a lot. I think we had landed on Mule Radio Syndicate so that the letters would spell out Mrs. Um, at the time, there was a whole backstory for for uh, the inception of the radio station. Um, I'm not sure if you guys ever heard kind of the beginnings of that. Uh, it, no. Is, is it interesting? It was, you know, I don't know if I might get in trouble for like telling this on the air. Um, then let's definitely tell yeah. it. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> so like a it, great It idea. was something that it had to do with like uh, these ladies during the wartime, any wartime, I'm not sure which wartime it was, um, who had uh, kind of created the Mule Radio Syndicate to send messages 
uh, God, I can't remember to their husbands. Anyway, I think that uh, it was like it was like a, there was like lesbian undertones to it. That's all I remember. Um, kid with a gun. I don't know. <laughs> there were, but there is a whole backstory that maybe has not been written yet. I've got nothing to say to any of that. I can't believe you guys. You guys have a show on the network. You didn't even know about that. Nobody ever. Well, I'm going to blame you. Know your roots. I'm going to blame you. You you were our contact person for the first uh, however long. The talent coordinator. Yes. We, we've talked about where Dave and I recorded. I don't know how many uh, early episodes, <laughs> trial runs before the show sort of shifted a topic. So we threw away all those trial run episodes eventually. We didn't, no, no, we we still have them. Right. I have them anyway. I mean, we we didn't release them to the to the masses, but. Yeah. I, I remember as soon as we were actually ready to go and the show was going to go live, that's when we got the heart-crushing email. Hey, by the way, uh, this is Jesse, and I'm leaving you all. It was oh. – I drank that day. We felt like you deserted us a little bit. I drank that day too, <laughs> but it was more like champagne <laughs> celebration. Not because I was celebrating leaving Mule. I loved working there. Uh, but, you know, it's always exciting starting on a new venture. So I'm sorry to leave you in the dust, though. At least you got your podcast. That's right. It worked out. Yes. For all of us. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse. I believe it was uh, we were standing around in the Mule office and we were talking about new shows and you looked at me and said, do you want to do one? And that was pretty much the genesis of this show. I don't remember, but I agree. That's how I remember it. So from now on, it's going to be Unprofessional as created by Jesse Choi. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like the Lauren Michaels of Unprofessional. <laughs> so obviously, I mean, like you said, you didn't leave Mule under any negative circumstances. You were excited for a new thing. So that was a good decision for you. You have this new job that you like. But I want to talk about some really crappy decisions that you, besides saying to Dave, <laughs> let's do a professional. But I want to know about some of your, and, and Dave's, I guess, uh, worst decisions that you've made. Worst decisions that I've made. So I know that this is going to sound really cheesy, but um, I... Generally, in my life so far, um, I'm pretty happy about all the decisions that I've made, at least all of the major ones. I'm sure, you know, there are like day-to-day decisions that are horrible, like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have eaten that entire cake for lunch. Uh, things like that, obviously regrettable, but not really. You know what? I'm No regrets, you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, professionally, Yellow. I don't think I've been around long enough to have made any terribly regret- regrettable decisions um, and any mistakes I have made have been learning experiences. It's a very pragmatic view. You know, it, and it does. It sounds a little bit corny, but that is, that's kind of how I get through. Um, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, my friends or probably parents would have a slightly different take on that. But I like to think that all of my decisions are great because I'm the one making them. Why would I make a bad decision? I think That's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I love making bad decisions. That's a goal for me. What, oh. what are some bad decisions that you've made? <laughs> oh, I, I want to know about yours. I even, <laughs> uh, way to turn it around. Yeah. Lex, Flip how them. about yours, Lex? Oh, did you just defer? Did you just take... You can't do that. That's no, not, did you that's not in the rules. <laughs> you can only defer no one turn backs. at a time. Oh, I see. I don't know. Uh, my uh, People talk about how... Uh, what's the saying? You don't regret the things you did. You regret the things you didn't do. Mm-hmm. That's fair. No, that's that's a little bullshit. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> that's that that's a, a semantic argument uh, because anything you did do is inherently a collection of things you didn't do. I I like having regrets. I like knowing that there's things I could have done differently because that's how I learn. That's how I grow. If I if I'm not making mistakes, if I'm not uh, ruining my life in some small way, then uh, I'm probably doing things wrong. Biggest example, and I've talked about this on the show, but the biggest example recently was me moving to Amsterdam for the summer. Right. That was 
an awesome mistake, an awesome series of mistakes. Why why did you move to Amsterdam? And there was a girl. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's let's hear more about that. Uh, I was over there uh, last April, I think, uh, for a conference, and I met a girl, and I decided that hey, well, I should I should move over there and be with this girl, and so I did, and uh, then everything fell apart. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty stupid decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I knew it when I did it. I embraced it then. I even said, if I don't, if I don't do this, it's the stupidest thing I might ever do. But if I don't do it, I'm going to wish that I had. Yeah, and you know what I love about stupid decisions and like things that have totally fallen apart is is that they always make for a much better story than things working out totally fine. Yeah, nobody really wants happily ever after. Yeah, in a movie maybe, but it's all the the fucked up stuff on the way to happily ever after that makes for the fun story. Exactly. I don't know. A happily ever after sounds pretty good to me, but okay, I'll go along with the crowd. Yeah. Fuck no, happily that's... ever after. I want the journey. <laughs> well, happily, you don't you don't start a story by saying once upon a time they all live happily ever after. True. That's a terrible story. Right. You but need I mean, drama. You need yeah. And I conflict. mean, it might be from like my inherent need for like attention. Uh, I I do appreciate a good story, and I do appreciate telling a good story. And yes, whatever can extend that story out just a couple of seconds longer, conflict is usually great for that. So <laughs> I've, I've got that in spades. I would say I'm trying to think about things that I. You know, bad decisions that I've made that I do regret. Uh, and when Dave said the the aphorism that he then dropped because he said it was bullshit, it, it, it at is. least inspired some. But no, I'm thinking of decisions I didn't make or things I didn't do. Was you know, the the regrets I have are the girls I didn't ask out in high school. <laughs> and <laughs> you could call them now. I'm married now. I mean, it's not it's not a permanent regret, but it was stupid. I could have been happier then and felt less. You know, I, I could have done a little bit less longing for and a little bit more talking to. That might have been good. And um, I don't know. Professionally, I feel like I've done well. I, I've definitely worked at places that I grew to hate over time. Macworld is not one of them, Jason, so breathe. Oh, but that's what uh. makes you a better employee anywhere is working at shitty jobs. Right. Well, I mean, I had great jobs, but the companies were shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least once there was a – I mean, I, this is a true story about Macworld, right? And this is not talking about work because I, they didn't hire me at the time. I applied for a job at Macworld more than a year before they hired me. They flew me out to San Francisco, and then they hired another guy instead. <laughs> and – you know, I was coming from an internet job, and I was like, here's what I make of my internet job. And Jason Snell's like, I think that's more than I make now here at Macworld where you are applying. And I said, well, I'm willing to negotiate. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, they went with Chartier because I think he came with uh, a lot less financial baggage, let's call it. But so th- when I had a- applied to Macworld and gone on that trip to San Francisco, I had already for months been thinking, man, I really don't like my job and I need to change. They didn't hire me, and then I spent another full year working for that same company uh i think that was a mistake i think when macworld didn't hire me i should have done something else with that time because i didn't do any growth uh besides i guess of income bank account let's say but i didn't do any personal growth or anything that i was super proud of for that remaining year because i was miserable there and the company wasn't doing great things anyway downer kind of to that um that thing that i was saying you know about failure makes for interesting stories i have been to a couple of conferences recently or i've seen talks by amazing, successful, and talented people. Um, but it's very, it's always very apparent when those people have only had successes and have never had failures um, because they don't really know why they're successful. Um, and of course, you know, talent plays into that um, a large part for them. But yeah, I mean, people who don't make mistakes and I guess learn from their own mistakes are uh, not the best people to take advice from in life. 
They're boring. Yeah, because how much of that is luck? How, a, lot, a lot. I mean, in luck, you know, you can say, like, what is luck? It's, you know, talent and preparation or whatever. But it doesn't necessarily apply to those of us who maybe are not going to be the most talented in our fields. Uh, not that I'm not. I mean, this is coming from me. So, uh. <laughs> Grain of salt. <laughs> I do want to say, by the way, re-luck, that um, the best quote I ever learned was from Penn Jillette although he didn't originate it. I, I'm trying to look up who actually said it. Uh, oh, is, uh, is Chip Denman, who is from the University of Maryland, but it's luck is probability taken personally. I like that. That's interesting. Well, Dave <laughs> said, you know, how much of it is luck? I do feel like people who uh, people for whom almost everything has been easy, where they have, you know, no, no bad decisions on their journeys of success, I think that much of the time good fortune is involved to a greater extent than the person with that good fortune realizes. Absolutely. I feel like everything I do is luck. I don't immediately jump to any of my accomplishments being pure skill ever. Hardly any skill. I, I just assume that I have no idea what I'm doing. And uh, the best I can do is hold on for dear life until it all goes away. That's my <laughs> advice, kids. So do you guys feel, do you feel uh, either of you like there is anything in your life you know you asked me about like what my biggest mistake or regret was uh do you have any moment of i guess the greatest luck in your life i, I want to go for the non-sappy answer i could talk about you know meeting my wife or having my kids or whatever but i, I feel you no know, we're tired of hearing about but that. where i feel like the where i have been lucky is i have actually made very good career decisions where you know, I, I had a terrible job, and then I had a slightly better job, and then I had a slightly better job, and then I left that slightly better job, not for any reason other than shortening my commute and saying, hey, this looks like an interesting company. But there I met people who, when that, you know, then I was working at MySpace, and when MySpace got sold to Fox and I left with a couple other executives to form a startup, that turned out to be a big windfall for the Friedman family a few years later. And it was, you know, each step had risks involved, and it was scary, and I just decided, well, I'm going to try, and we'll see what happens. But I was very lucky where each job led to the next one and then one job led to a decent amount of financial security for a while and uh it was all whim based and you know I, I could have very easily and probably smartly said no to several of those different career jumps that i made at the time and didn't and then gave myself what i considered for a long time to be a perfect batting average there was no way to know that that would be the outcome it was just it was lucky i fail up that's what i do i think that's why i like screwing up i think that's why i like making mistakes every time i've had a job where I've, I've made good money and i've thought to myself wow i'm never going to be able to make this kind of money again i get fired and then i go do something else and i end up in a better job with more money or i shouldn't say i always get fired but i always you know something happens i leave or i get laid off i get fired or whatever but i always end up in a better place than than where i i thought i'd ever be that sounds like a pretty sweet deal <laughs> It, it's yeah it's great for the last i would say maybe six six or seven years every step i've taken has been the okay well this is it this is the best it's ever going to get and then something happens and the next thing i do is even better and now i'm uh doing freelance work and i, I don't think i've ever been as happy professionally as i am right now how long have each of you guys been in the industry the uh, adult and oh uh <laughs> you know any like the food industry the <laughs> uh the show business industry just <laughs> any of them i guess i started i I got hired by Macworld just under two years ago, so call it 2011, April 2011. I had been freelancing for Macworld for two years before that, so 2009. But I had been an Apple nerd since I don't know 1988. You're bragging, yeah. Okay. But I mean, I was I wasn't in. <laughs> nobody read my my word perfect blog. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, the, the first time anybody <laughs> saw my name publicly 
uh, writing about that stuff because nobody read my actual blog from like 2003 or 2002. But so it was with Macworld, I guess, in 2009 or so. All right. So is that kind of when you feel like, like when you felt like you made it in this industry? Or, no, I, I'm, or I'm still trying to make it is how I feel. <laughs> okay. I look up to people like, you know, at, who I work with, like Jason or Chris Breen or... Um, you know, you look at the the huge names who everybody like some people know my name. People who read Macworld know my name, but I, it's not. A, I don't have the recognition of somebody like uh, like Gruber or Dalrymple or even you know the the sort Floyd of Floyd Gruber. Yes, uh, the one from Die Hard. Oh, um, I, you know, I, I, like those are the people who you know. It's Gruber's the kind of guy I look up to. I mean, I, I'm not interested in striking out on my own right now. I mean, unless I could pull in Gruber dollars, but. Because I, you know, I I like the stability of a, a day job and an employer and benefits and vacation days and all that. But, you know, that's a guy who's super smart and who everybody knows about and whose insights, whether you agree with him or not, are always clearly well reasoned and worth reading and studying and understanding and appreciating. And uh, until I get to that sort of level, I don't think I'll feel like I've made it. That's a funny thing. All right. I, I wrote a piece for MacWorld last week and. Uh, in my mind, I, I don't know how the rest of the world sees it, but at least amongst my friends, it, it seemed like it was, you know, a Tuesday or whatever. And like, oh, that's cool. Good for you. But in my head, it's I'm still that that like 23, 24 year old kid sitting on my floor with my laptop reading uh, Macworld and, and like hearing about these people who were making these awesome things and doing these cool things and wishing that I could just like be a part of that. And here I am writing a piece of like at no point have I ever mentally moved beyond that, that place. So when I'm, when I see my own name on Macworld, that's not like a logical progression for me. That's, Oh my God, I can't believe this just happened. Right. I hope I never lose that. When did you make it, Jesse? You have, you know, I'm so happy. Like, it's amazing to me that I have co-founded a design company in San Francisco that works with amazing clients and is able to be on podcasts with people like you guys. Um, you know, but on the other side, I'm always thinking, like, what is next? I and I have no idea what that might be. But uh, like moments where I where I really felt like I had made it. Um, I think that back in maybe 2007 or 2008, I got mentioned in Daring Fireball for something, and uh, but but he had wrote, written my name as Jessica Chan, so um, <laughs> so I got fireballed for the first time, but under the incorrect name, which was later changed, but still, uh, that was pretty that was pretty cool um, to be mentioned there because again, you know, I've been kind of a Mac enthusiast my whole life and a nerd and have always read Daring Fireball. And so to have been mentioned in that, um, that was really special for me. Uh, I hope that he doesn't listen to this podcast because that would be super embarrassing. Um, sorry, I think I started turning this podcast into uh, Jesse Char interviews you guys. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first to uh, do that. And that's that's okay. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> but you, you never answered the question of what your, your huge regret was. That's true. You talked around it. In fact, I'm the only yeah, one who I, I named mean, a specific thing. I mentioned girls. I'm sorry. Let's see. <laughs> In general. And I mentioned not quitting my last <laughs> job earlier. I could do a weekly show on all the regrets I have when it comes to girls. Oh, I see. I think that what you've just uh, what you've just unearthed is that I am uh, very, very good at darting around that subject of regret and mistakes. Uh, and that's, you know, why I can do what I do today. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, I there are no big, like, turning points um, or decisions in my life that I really regret. I think that, if anything, it is being really lazy. I'm super lazy. Uh, I'll admit that on this podcast. 
Um, and I do <laughs> on this podcast. That- <laughs> it's called unprofessional. I feel like if there's anywhere you can say you're lazy, it's here. Right. In six months, when I get around to posting this show, <laughs> no, I can be kind of a lazy bone sometimes. Like you know, I just will sit and watch TV for six hours and like eat eight bowls of soup on my couch in my pajamas. Um, do I regret that? Yes. Uh, will I continue to do it? Yes. Is it okay? Sure. That's uh, that's one of those things that I regret doing, but I love that I can. Right. Oh, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's that's what being a grown-up is all about, right? Making terrible decisions. <laughs> Lack of responsibility. I, you know, one thing that just was occurring to me, and I can't come up with a specific example of what exactly I mean, but hopefully you'll get the idea. Hopefully I'm not the only one because otherwise I'm going to sound like a crazy person. But I feel like there are maybe eight or nine, not necessarily true regrets, but just embarrassing or mortifying or terrible Lex Friedman moves in my life that I've made that every once in a while when my brain wants to go into a negative place, it'll just pull that out and show it on the projector in my head and say, hey, remember when this awkward thing happened? You know, at totally inappropriate <laughs> times, you know, showering or giving my kid, brushing my kid's teeth or something, let's say. But you know, then it pops into my head this, you know, just for a few seconds, this, oh, I can't believe that I said that inappropriate thing that one time 15 years ago. Please tell me I'm not alone. Please tell me I'm not the only one. Oh, no, 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 no. I absolutely, I am in the same boat as you. And, you know, like you, I cannot recall any of them right now because I'm in such a good mood. I'm talking <laughs> to you guys on this little snowball mic. Um, but give me the right professional disaster or, you know, slip up with an email or, you know, bad uh, interaction with a potential client. And yes, all of those will come flooding into my mind. And then, you know, I spend six hours on the couch with my soup and my pajamas. <laughs> I have a really bad, well, I, I guess it's a bad habit. Is there something about my personality that sometimes I can rub people the wrong way. I never mean to. I never, you know, for anybody who, who has met me or ever will meet me, I've, I'm never intending to be a jerk to anybody. It just sometimes it happens. I'm working on it. Uh, but as a result of this and something about, I don't know, perceived confidence or something, people don't mind telling me much later when it's no longer helpful that I was an asshole about something. And as a result, I've developed this kind of hypersensitivity to I, I sort of feel like everybody feels like it's okay. They can call me an asshole whenever they want. And so I always feel like I'm always being an asshole. Like at any given moment, I feel like I'm currently right now as I'm talking, saying the wrong thing and I'm offending somebody. Well, what is, what does asshole even mean to you? Asshole is a different thing to everybody. I mean, at least, you know, one kind of definition of the word. I, I assume that somewhere somebody is upset with me because I said something in the wrong way. And, uh, that's, I guess I kind of have to live with that. But I, when I have those Lex Friedman moments of, of watching something, <laughs> yes, let's use my name for those. Everyone. When I have, when I have a, a moment that is replaying in my head, uh, on a projector, it, it's always something that I said in passing that nobody even responded to. I just feel like maybe that was the thing that they're going to be upset with me for later. Cause it's going to be something. Is this, a, is this podcast actually about like a group yes. therapy? Because that's, that's really where this sounds like it's going. Yes. Do you guys need she help? Figured us out. It sounds like this you need is help. way cheaper than therapy. You would not be the okay. first guest okay. to uh, suggest. I'll that. just invoice you after <laughs> we record. I guess. I mean, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, I think to be able to make your way through life with sanity, because you know, everybody makes horrible mistakes and everybody says stupid shit all the time. Um, and I guess what I've gotten really good at is kind of bargaining with myself what is okay and what I can let go of. Um, 
You know, the most, there are things that will really, really bug the shit out of me for like a day that I just can't let go of in my mind. But I think that at the end of that day, even, I, I don't know, everything, nothing is beyond repair, I guess. And so that's kind of the attitude that I try and take on. Or I just say, ah, fuck them. <laughs> I don't care about that other person. <laughs> So, I've, I've had I can't yeah. think of any specifically. I really wish I could because that'd make for a, a really great show. But I've had moments with you, in fact, where I thought that I've offended you. No, well, you probably have. That's fair. Everybody offends. Oh, me. really? What You're you easily about? offended. You would say? No, I'm. Not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm probably just easy. I think you know. Okay, here's one of the big problems. Uh, so I just I just have bitch face all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have it, and so. And so I think that a lot of people think that they have offended me, that I don't like them, um, because I'm always hearing from my friends, like, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so was, like, asking me, like, what the deal with you is. <laughs> it seemed like you were being kind of mean to them. And it's like, you know what? I just can't help it if my face looks I that way. I thought you didn't like me. It's true. <laughs> we, we, this, is, this is no joke. We had a conversation when we were talking about bringing you on where we're like, Do, I, don't, I don't think she, we're both saying, like, I don't think she really likes me. <laughs> Like, is she, she going to be a, is this going to be a good guest? I mean, like, to be fair, I don't. Right. Well, as long as we can, like, pretend. But, you know, how would you well, really know? And the know? truth is that Jesse and I are, are, this is the most we've ever spoken. Um, so there's a reason but, for that. Right. It, mostly because of my dickishness. But um, <laughs> I generally exclusively see Jesse in person at various Apple-related conferences and events. I always feel like you are in an interesting position. You are in an interesting position as one of, um, uh, one right, of the two as one ladies. of the, few, the very few women yes. who show up, right. and I, for me, you know, I know who I am and I know what I'm like. But I feel like it's got to be a, it's it has to be a, an awkward or at sometimes you know unfun position to be in to be one of the very few women there, and you know especially if like the other one is somebody who's married to say John Gruber, and then it's like you know I feel like there has to be some kind of feeling like, well, everybody's talking to me because I am the token woman here, even if that's not what else, what's on many of the people's minds who are talking to you. I'm sure it's on some of the minds because people are dicks, but I feel like that's got to be a very, <laughs> like, so my, basically what I'm getting at is when I would see you at a conference, I'm hesitant to just go up and start talking before we've had this, you know, ex extremely exclusive relationship building exercise of recording this podcast. Yeah. Telling me about all of your problems, about all your fears and regrets, of course. <laughs> now, now, now that we're so open with each other, it's totally different. But before, you know, I don't want to go up and think, oh, here's another guy who wants to talk to me because I'm a girl at a tech conference. And, you know, that's that's where I'm coming from. Conferences scare me. One, because I have a, a reputation for sometimes accidentally being a jerk. And two, because I have a reputation when it comes to chasing after girls. So <laughs> women at conferences, I just try to stay the hell away. Uh, me being one of like the token girls at Macworld slash iWorld. I mean, you know, that used to be, uh, I'd say that it used to be slightly more of a problem. Uh, <laughs> it is it has subsided. Um, and, you know, I'm not one of two girls who's at Macworld. There are a lot of fantastic ladies who go to the conferences, um, and I'm happy to kind of be peers with. Um, I have, however, gotten some strange remarks from strangers when I'm at those events, conferences, parties, though. So... Well, it's your your fears are not completely out of place. What's a strange remark? Oh my lord! Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just bring out the best one since it's all I can think of right now. I was at MacWorld last year, so 2012 MacWorld. Um, 
after party at the W Hotel. Uh, I had just come from work, so I was wearing my normal work uniform of jeans, a sweater, and some reading glasses, uh, since I can't see my computer screen anymore. Um, I was standing around chatting with some friends. I was approached by two men, oh, probably in their mid-twenties. Uh, they came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder, said, excuse me, ma'am, I just had to ask, are you an escort? Oh, my God. <laughs> is, that, is that intended to be a compliment or? I think it was intended as a question. Like they, they were sincerely and... wondering. I think there is a tinge yeah. now. This, um, don't kill me. I think, although it wasn't meant that way, I do think that on the whole, as as clueless and unpleasant as those two 20-something males are, I do think that it's a net positive remark. They're, they're basically, because what I'm hearing them say is, uh, you are, you know, you you appear to be so charming and so out of place here because you seem to be above all of this fray. We assume the only way this could happen is because someone is paying, and are we enabled? Are we are we able to 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 join in that? <laughs> uh, we'll let the listeners at home decide what they may have murdered. meant by that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had a slightly different take on it. Um, and I remember, you know, later in the night, because, like, it was so shocking to me that I just went around and started, like, telling all of my friends who were there, because I was friends with 90% of the people in that room, um, and not these two randos who had just decided to show up I, to, I you know, my conference, let's be honest. I hope they're listening right now. Um, and, and, like, as I was telling one of my friends, one of them, like, had come up behind me, and he's just like, geez, we didn't know, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, as if, like, I should... Be more sympathetic to them for thinking that I was an escort. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, you know no, what? I don't have. I'm to no give longer them that. defending them because if they if they became indignant that you told many people that they said it, that's yeah. Those people are just dicks. Yeah, but you know, I was hanging out at the W Hotel bar. So what do you really expect from that place, right? <laughs> it looks kind of like a combination between like a Virgin America airplane and a brothel. <laughs> I love that place. You know, Dave, we should take a break for a moment to acknowledge this episode's sponsor. This episode has a sponsor? <laughs> if you can believe it. Wow. It's Easy PR. Now, it sounds like those are the letters in the name, and they are. It's Easy PR. But when you go to the website, it's easy-pr.com. The letters E and Z, the symbol dash, and then the letters P and R. I think I made that as clear as is humanly possible. Dot com. I think I follow. So if you want great press for your startup, app, or company... Easy PR specializes in getting great stories written about whatever you're working on and getting them placed wherever you think they should be placed. Now, is, this, is this whatever I'm working on or is it specifically like technology stuff? You know, I think they have a heavy emphasis on technology stuff, but my guess is if, if you want to work with them, they're going to want to work with you too. They're, they're New York City based, so you know they're good. And uh, what I like on their website, they do have a very, uh, a very attractive website. I like the way it looks and the way it navigates. Yes, it's but they mention that they help... You describe you and your business without buzzwords or fluff, and I really appreciate the use of fluff in that bullet point. You know, I like a little fluff now and then, but I can see why most people wouldn't. Right. When it comes to PR, you want to go as fluff-free as possible. Trust me, I get a lot of PR in my inbox all day, every day. And people and fluff, fluff makes me you all the time. Kill myself. Oh, I'm just getting fluffed all over the place. Fluff left and right. Right. Fluff that. I, That's suppose, why... I suppose if you're getting fluffed that often, it's not that exciting for you anymore. <laughs> exactly. That's why I tell everybody who, who is too fluffy... And everybody who's looking for PR in the first place, hey, why don't you go to easy-pr.com? Because those guys know what's up. They know how to go fluff-free since 83. No that's, fluff. That's my new tagline for them. Fluff-free since 83. Have they been around since 83? Is that the thing? 
No, I just, just made that part up. Just, I mean, it seems like much newer than that. But, okay. but uh, still. They probably have somebody who works there who was born in 83. I believe that. Uh, I'd like to take a moment, as I often do, to, uh, to both thank our listeners and, and encourage them to continue supporting us. Uh, mostly I want to do the thanking part though, because we've gotten, uh, we've gotten a fair bit of attention recently and I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going. And, uh, that wouldn't be possible if it weren't for all of the amazing people who listen to the show. Essentially, you're saying that this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Yeah. Something like that. I, huh. I, I think we, we've got some pretty cool listeners. Like we had, uh, we'd asked on Twitter the other day, if people listen to the ad reads or if they skip past them. And I think only one person out of the dozens who responded, only one person said they skipped. And what was interesting to me was the one person who said he skipped said that, uh, you know, he, he sees and hears the same products advertised all over the place. I don't feel like that's really the case. I mean, sometimes, yes, there's some repetition, but I feel like we've had, I don't feel like the slank at sponsoring a whole lot of podcasts. Out that's there. true. And don't forget that next, what's the date? I don't know. Oh, it's this Thursday. If you're listening to this episode on or before Thursday, January 31st, make sure you come see Dave and me do Unprofessional Live on the Macworld Live stage during Macworld slash iWorld in San Francisco. This is the one episode, Dave, where we are not just allowed to, but are required to talk about technology. Yeah. So we've always had two rules. The official unprofessional rule is that we don't talk to our guests about their day job. The sort of unofficial you get fired rule is that we don't talk about technology. Because it's Macworld, we can talk about technology, but the first rule is still in place. So who could we bring on to talk about technology who, who wouldn't have had that as their day job? And of course, our, our first choice, we were fortunate enough, uh, said yes. We're bringing back the one and only Amy Jane Gruber. She was on our very first episode. And yeah. hopefully she won't be on this as our very last episode. Hopefully <laughs> just you know, one of many, but she will be there. You know what we should do? On. Uh, because uh, the the live episode will be episode number twenty six. We should just bring her back for like episode fifty one and episode seventy six and one hundred one. I think your math got a little funky there, but I'm with you. No, the first set of every twenty five. All right, twenty six, okay. fifty one, seventy six, one hundred one. Those are all the same numbers you just said before. Thank you for saying them again. I'm I'm trying to help you with the math. Uh, see, I was thinking like you do the one is is you know is the outlier, but they do twenty six and then you do fifty two that she comes on every twenty six episodes. But that's that's not how you were going. I get it now. No, no, and I'm the one who's bad at math. Oh uh, no, I think we're both the one who's bad at math. I couldn't count that high. Maybe we're both the two who's bad at math. I don't know. <laughs> the only thing <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> no, no, do it, do it. <laughs> we we didn't answer the question though. Are you an escort? <laughs> oh just, Jesus Christ! It was a joke. It was hilarious. I take it back. She hung up. She did not. It's only it's only a joke <laughs> if I think it's funny. Did you? And I'm not going to say anything. That's okay. So, the Schrodinger's joke. <laughs> <laughs> did it land? Did it not? That's, you know, that's actually to me one of the scary isn't the right word, but it's it's one of the harder things about doing the podcast. In general, I think doing unprofessional is easy if i'm in the right frame of mind when we start these conversations then you know you just we're it's just talking you know we don't have to do a whole i mean if i if i know kind of what one of our themes or topics might be i might do a little brainstorming ahead of time or even make some notes but generally it's just talking and i feel like i'm okay at that but the fact that there's just the the three of us conversing and we have no idea how listeners are reacting you know is this part interesting is this totally self-indulgent and people are bored with this line of conversation are they laughing at the right points do they get that we were joking just then or not you know that's that's the only part to me that's intimidating about this process as long as you're happy with yourself that's all that matters right i'm told sometimes that i'm too happy with myself oh well then you should cut that out so lex what's the what's the moment for you that you feel like you really lucked out the one singular moment where i if you had to choose one 
there has to be like one one thing that happened that you feel like if that hadn't the the rest of the pieces wouldn't have fallen into place i mean when i by taking the right series of jobs i ended up co-founding the daily plate which was a diet tracking website it eventually uh before lance armstrong was disgraced it eventually got uh bought by a company called demand media so they could use it to power livestrong.com's calorie tracking and it's still there you know the, the website that i built and i was the product guy and the coding guy and everything else but you know i took that job started my first job working from home i took that sort of on a lark and i took a big salary cut to do it because it was just two other guys who were going to keep full-time jobs so they could pay me and there were a lot of risks and it was scary but i took that and eventually that company got bought like i said um for five million bajillion dollars so it got bought for five million dollars plus um stock and demand and i did, i was the minority person right since the other two were paying me i did not get i did not get to become a millionaire while the other guys did but turn of events then ending up at demand media and getting stock and demand media and all that ended up giving me the financial independence to to live where i want to live and do what i want to do and work at Macworld. Uh, so that's not directly about Macworld, but had I not done the series of jobs that ended up getting me introduced to those people to build that startup and then sell it at the right time, then uh, I don't know that I could be living where I am and working where I am right now. And I really enjoy those two things. Dave, what's yours? I want to flip it to you. Mine, um, you know, I met Brent Simmons one day. Great guy, right? Yeah. Love Brent Simmons. Great guy or the greatest guy. Well, let's just stick with great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty all right. Uh, no, a mutual friend. I was in San Jose on business, and a mutual friend had uh, sent an email to me and Brent saying, hey, I see, I see that you guys are both in San Jose. Uh, don't know what plans you have, but you guys should get together. Grab a drink. And so Brent and I exchanged numbers via email, and we sync up, and I go and I join him. And uh, he was hanging out after a conference. I'd never been to a developer conference or anything like that. Uh, so I didn't know how this all worked, but it was conference evening Brent. So it was like a lot of hanging out and tons of people around and everybody having a good time. And you mean drunk Brent, right? I didn't want to say that. I'm, I'm going to say it. Drunk Brent. Continue. Uh, I'll say drunk and friendly Brent. The, the sort of Brent you know, that, that attracts <laughs> a lot of people to hanging out with them. A lot of people drunk who are... Drunk Brent can play a mean piano. That is absolutely is all true. all I'm saying. That's absolutely true. It's also worth pointing out that he was the second guest on our podcast. That's true. He's a uh, sober Brent is pretty good at playing guitar too. But uh, with, without meeting Brent, I wouldn't have met any of the other people that I met that eventually ushered me into this industry. Because it was through Brent that I met uh, Brad Ellis, who taught me everything I know about design. Oh, little Brad. Little Brad. Firecracker, that one. Killer B. And Jesse, how about you? How about me? Um, well, I'm going to maybe this is multi part. Um, let's start from the very beginning. Uh, I would say that the biggest moment of luck in my current career was um, back in 2005, I think, when the first iPod Nano had come out. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, the fact checkers are going to fact check that, right? Yes. You guys yeah. have fact checkers? They'll clean okay. it up and post. Can, you, okay. can we just get recordings of you saying three or four different years and we can just all splice on the right one? <laughs> The year the iPod Nano came out in 2006. No, I think it was 2005. You're right. September you know 2005. What? There we go. Oh, badass. Nailed All right. It. So September 2005, iPod Nano came out. My mom's birthday is also in September. And um, she saw it. She was like, that is what I want for my birthday. 
So um, my family took her to the Apple Store um, at the South Center Mall in Tequila, Washington, and um, we were there to buy her an iPod. So the guy who is helping us out was this lovely man. I cannot recall his name right now. But he was talking to her about the iPod Nano, and you know he was kind of like explaining the specs to her um, so she could figure out which one to buy. And I kept on correcting him on all the specs, uh, <laughs> which in hindsight, what a precocious thing for me to do, um, because I had memorized all of the technical specifications, the battery life, the capacities, the prices, just everything. And he kind of looked at me, and he's just like, "Why don't you work here?" And I was like, "Oh well, you know, working at the Apple Store, it's really hard because I know that a lot of people apply and a lot of people want to work here, and so I don't know." And and he's just like, hold on just a second. So he goes in the back of the store, pulls out the manager, and, and she just chats me up a little bit. She's just like, you like Apple products? How long have you been using them? What do you use now? Are you 18? And I was like, yes, I am. And she's just like, all right, do you want to work here? And I was like, <laughs> yes. And she's like, okay, um, here's discovered. my business card. Yeah, I was discovered. So she just sent me an email that was just like the you know W-9 forms. I didn't even interview for the job. She just kind of gave it to me there, um, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. And, you know, like this giant leap of faith. <laughs> but, you know, the Apple Store at the time was a big, booming business. And, of course, they were hiring, you know, a lot of people. I guess that store only had 12 employees at the time, though. Very small. But, you know, like an 18-year-old whippersnapper who has memorized every <laughs> single spec and price and uh you know says weight. words like whippersnapper <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know it was it, it was an obvious choice i must say um, lingo so like I that started... fits the story it's like a very like <laughs> i like you kid you've got moxie when can you start that was honestly what it what it was and it was just this amazing like you know i just happened to be there i'd happened to read like to have read the entire website that day so that my mom could you know buy this ipod for her birthday and it led to kind of the start of my career in the Mac industry. Um, because from there, you know, I started working, you know, I was a salesperson to start out. Um, and I eventually moved up to being a Mac genius, was sent down to Cupertino, did all the training. And so I was kind of, you know, getting deeper and deeper into that world. Um, and I eventually ended up getting um, an internship through my genius position um, down in QA uh, for the iPod department at Apple, which was like a very nice full circle thing because I was actually doing QA on one of the iPod Nanos. So iPod <laughs> Nano was like, just apparently like, I just didn't even realize this until I'm talking to you guys, but like iPod Nano is a huge part of my career, apparently. That's where it all started. Um, and I'd say that that was kind of like my first, um, my first trip of luck that I've had. Um, I'd say that the second one also connected to the Apple store. Actually, you know what? I met Brad Ellis working at the Apple store. There's ah, another Brad. thing. Wow, and that really all traces back to the first luck. That's incredible. I can't yeah, believe you got yeah. discovered at an Apple store. They don't know who I am when I go there. Got discovered. Um, the other person who I met while I was working at the Apple store was a man who people may know uh, as Will Shipley. Um, he did not work at the Apple store, of course, <laughs> but he was a frequent customer at the Apple store because um, I believe that he was the guy who had bought 19 iPhones when the iPhone first came out before they had a purchase limit, probably set in place because of Will Shipley buying all of the iPhones from the store. He ruins um, everything. <laughs> he, sure. You know, he does not ruin everything, uh, most things, but um, that was another great kind of stepping stone um, 
in my career thus far was meeting Will because he was kind of the first connection I had to the whole indie Mac industry and the people like Brent Simmons. So Will, I uh, eventually ended up working for his company, Delicious Monster, for two years and met countless amazing people through that job. So that was kind of like another stroke of luck was just kind of happening to meet this person um, and then, you know, ended up working for him. Um, So yeah, lots of luck. Luck is a great thing, you guys. But luck is when, uh, what is it? When preparation, something, it's when something meets another thing, that's what luck is. I'll find the formula (laughs) later. We'll fix this in post.